0: Well, today uh, we wrap up a little series we've been doing for the last two weeks. This is the third week of it, a series on marriage and relationships. Uh, some of you wish we would continue to go and a little farther on that, and others of you wish we hadn't gone quite so far. And I get that as we talk about these things, but I appreciate uh, Delton, one of our deacons, stepped in last week and shared some great thoughts on some uh, more uh, biblical foundations of marriage. And so if you've heard... Two of these talks, or maybe you missed one, they're online, and you can certainly go back and check them out, but if you've heard those, you probably realize that uh, God has great plans for marriage. Maybe you're thinking as well that such marriages are made in heaven. If so, I remind you of the words of my doppelganger, uh, Clint Eastwood, that sows thunder and lightning (laughs) made in heaven. So uh, marriage, the way God intended it, takes work. Constant diligence to achieve all that God has for us in our marriages. And I know in a room like this and in our lives that uh, some have are experiencing that, some have not. And the disappointment of that and the, the hardship of that. But we hope and pray that going through a series like this gives all of us hope for what God can do in our lives and our marriages and even restoring those and giving us his grace to press on, even if there have been times of woundedness and failure in that regard. And so while you kind of digest what we've talked about the last couple of weeks, I'm going to shift the script a little bit today as we wrap things up and I want to talk to those of you who aren't married. I know that's a little strange in a marriage series, but that's why we call it a marriage and relationship series. You know that, uh, I hope you know that we have a growing number of single adults here at Calvary, and I'm thankful for that, very thankful, and I want you to know that uh, being single in a church like Calvary, where there's a lot of families, I I get that, you're not, if you're single, you're not some kind of economy class uh, uh, status here in, in this church. You're not um, in while you're single in something like domestic purgatory, and uh, waiting to get into the, the status of the married class. That, that's not it at all. Being single is a life situation most every adult in this room has experienced. If you're married now, you probably were single before you got married and had some years of singleness about half of us will be single again before we die, even if we're married now. So singleness is not something that only afflicts a few. We've all been single. Many of us will be single again. In fact, statistics indicate that there are more singles in our society than ever before. People are staying single longer before they get married. Some are delaying marriage. Some are bypassing marriage altogether and remaining single by choice. So whatever you may think of single life or your single friends, singleness is not something that we can ignore or should just tolerate and wait until something else comes along. In fact, the Bible has high praise if you're single for the single life. It calls it a gift or a calling from God. Listen to these words from the book of 1 Corinthians, from the Apostle Paul. He said, I wish that all of you were as I am, meaning being single. But each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Singleness is a gift that God gives and I want you to know that, again, Suzanne and I are thankful for the singles here at Calvary. In fact, uh, one of our most enjoyable connections during our months here at Calvary has been with our singles prayer group. We've attended that a few times. We've spent a number, a lot of time one-on-one with singles in our church and in that prayer group. I've been impressed with their spiritual vitality, the caliber of their lives. If you're single, you've been a blessing to me and to Suzanne in seeing and knowing your walk with God and so today I want to speak to those of you who are single and I don't often hear of that when I in churches I've been in and pastored over the years series on marriages are usually to those who are married and we ask the singles to listen in politely nod your head occasionally don't take off early and maybe someday it'll apply to you but I'm gonna ask you who are married to do that today (laughs) listen in politely don't take off early maybe pick up some things that would be helpful to you someday if you're single again or if you have singles in your family or you have kids that someday will be dating pick up some ideas from God's Word that you can pass on to them as well so singles this one's for you I've titled it before you say I do for you if you're single Preparing for marriage, single and never planning to be married, single or don't even think about marriage. Uh, so let's get started. I'm indebted, I would say, to a fellow pastor uh, Andy Stanley, for many of his, his uh, great insights on singleness. In many instances, he's said it better than I could. In fact, I have uh, adapted his creative outline for some of my talk today. and I, As I've wrestled with what to say, uh, I want to say everything that I can possibly say in 30 minutes, but I'm trying to summarize about 25 years of advice, uh, biblical teaching that we, Suzanne and I, gave to our two sons while during their single years to prepare them for what God had for them. And so I've tried to boil it all down, and I, I want to do so by giving you just uh, three truths Three truths that uh, I think every single adult should know and practice. If you want God's best for your life, for your single years, these are truths from God's Word who knows how life works best that you can take and you can say, God, I want to bring those into my life and I want those to be part of who I am and how I live and what I do and the way I operate in my life and the way I build my relationships. And so I hope these truths will be helpful to you. And here's the first truth. That your present will show up in your future. Now, I get it if English is a second language, you're going to have to think these through. What's that mean? But go ahead and process that. But here's the first truth. Your present will show up in your future. And what I mean by that is that if you get married, your wedding day is not the beginning of a brand new life, kind of a do-over life. One of the crazy myths that many of my single friends have believed over the years, it goes like this, that somehow, I'm, while well, I'm single, I'll, I'll sow my wild oats, I'll, I'll carefree living, loose living, I'll, I'll live for myself while I'm single and while I'm young. And then when I get married, I'll start keeping the rules. I'll settle down. And I'll have a great marriage from that point on. It's like now, being single, you have a free pass for loose, wild, carefree, lawless living, however you want. And then when the real game starts, marriage, you'll switch and you'll play by those rules. And you'll have a great marriage. Well, let me tell you. That isn't going to happen. That's not how it works in life. How do I know that? Well, just listen to these words about a law that we all live under. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. You heard it read earlier, but I want it bears rereading. Verse uh, Galatians 6 verse seven says, "Do not be deceived. Don't be fooled. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And so let us not get, do, uh, become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. What this means in the context of our our talk today is that your past shows up in your present. What you sowed in the past, you're experiencing some of, of reaping that today. And your present will show up in your future. How you live today in your single years, you will reap in your married years. It's the law of sowing and reaping. I remember when I coached basketball when our boys were young and uh, nothing fancy. It was just a recreation league. But as I learned how to coach them, uh, I learned a, a key element in coaching. And I would teach them as I'd say, guys, we practice like we're going to play. And so during the week, we have these practices. And if we're sloppy and it doesn't really matter in practice, that's how we're going to play on Saturday. Although if we're careful and we do it right in practice that's how we'll play on Saturday what we sow in practice during the week we would reap in the games on Saturday we came to see that paid off early in the season we were not a very good team and we got slaughtered by the best team in the league I mean it was embarrassing but it was a wake-up call and as the season went on and we begin learning to practice Like we were going to play, at the end of the season, in the the, in the tournament, the final game, we lost by only one point to the same team that slaughtered us at the beginning. The guys learned that if you practice like you want to play, it gives great results. And so, applying that to what we're talking about today, if you're single, begin to develop the patterns and the values. And the practices of life that you want to experience someday if God gives you the gift of marriage. If you want good communication in your marriage, learn how to listen and communicate and ask good questions now. If you want faithfulness in your marriage, practice that now in your friendships and your relationships If you want fulfilling intimacy in your your marriage, sow that now by not giving yourself away sexually to every person you date. You see, if we sow the virtues today that you want to live with in the future, that's when you start it now. Building your future. Because the lifestyle that you have here and now will be there on your wedding day. You'll start your wedding with those values. What you're, what you're doing now in your single years will be what you experienced in the early years of your marriage. Now, by God's grace, if you haven't done well in your single years, that can be changed and be redeemed by God's grace. But it's not always easy, and it's not automatic. If you want to start off strong in your, sing, in your married life, finish strong in your single life. So that's the first truth I wish... Every single knew and practiced. That your present will show up in your future. A second truth that every single I I hope would know and begin to to live grows out of that first truth. And that is that you must become the person now that you want to be then. Become the person now that you want to be then. That, That truth is related to a second myth about single life or about marriage that people often believe. That myth, This second myth goes like this. If I just find and marry the right person, everything will be all right. And so we pray, God, bring me the right person. God, fulfill my checklist here that I believe you've given to me and helped me develop but just Give me the person that meets my checklist and everything will be great. You see, it's not so much about me being the right person as it is about finding the right person. And that's a myth. And I don't fault you for believing that myth if you're single and you've been following that. Because we were taught that myth from the earliest childhood, weren't we? in the stories we're told and with the books we read and that you just need to find your, your prince charming or your fairy princess and no matter how much of a scoundrel or a frog you are you'll be turned into something great because you found the right person. I heard about a young woman who went on told a story about going on a church retreat. She met a great guy now, it was a church singles retreat and she, by her own confession, wasn't really a, a church girl. It wasn't her thing. And she was only on the retreat because a Christian friend of hers had invited her to come and uh, kind of sweetened the, the invitation by saying, there'll be a lot of great guys there. Come and maybe you'll meet one and see what what might take place. And so she went, had a great time, and she met a great guy, a guy who kind of swept her off her feet and she was taken by the guy I mean he was what she was looking for he had a cool factor in his life of about 10 he was good-looking he was a leader in the singles group at the church he was going to be the director that summer of a mission team that would go to Haiti and she knew this was the guy she wanted to hang out with this guy she wanted to get to know him but it wasn't happening She'd go to church, and he was polite to her, talked to her, joked with her, with all the others, but she couldn't get the first base with him after that. She couldn't get the first date. And she'd try all kinds of things, and it just wasn't work, wasn't working. And so after a few weeks of that, she confided in her mother and said, Mom, this is going on. I'm frustrated with the situation. And she poured it out to her mother. And her mother, being a wise and an honest soul, listened. And after she got it all out and there was a pause, her mother said, Honey, I hate to tell you this, but a guy like that isn't looking for a girl like you. Ouch. Yeah. Is that true? Well, well, listen to these wise words from the Bible and evaluate that. Romans 12:2. Uh, Do not conform your life to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So singles, I tell you, mark it down if you uh, spend your years uh, being patterned after the mold of this world, letting the world squeeze you into its mold, shaping you into its values, that when you find the person of your dreams who has spent their years, single years, being uh, transformed into the image of Christ, the person of your dreams won't be all that interested in you because you've been working on two different patterns of life. And so the question I think every single person who would even consider marriage should ask, am I becoming the person, the person I'm looking for is looking for? It turns the spotlight back on ourselves, doesn't it? You see, as important as looking for the right person, and that's important, but it's also becoming the right person in your own life. So, guys, if you're single, uh, do you want a wife who respects you? Yeah, of course you do. Then learn to be a respecter of women, those you date now. Do you want a husband, gals, who will be faithful to you? Then develop faithfulness now purity in your own life and your relationships. Do you want a spouse you can grow together with as a follower of Jesus? Then be growing as a follower of Jesus now, taking your faith seriously. Do you want a spouse who will put your interests on an equal par with their interests? Then learn to do that now in your relationships with others. The point is, let your checklist of the person you're looking for be the pattern for the kind of person you're becoming now and so you'll be the person whom the person you're looking for is looking for and that brings us to the a third truth that i hope every single would know and would put into practice in their lives and that is to write the story of your marriage while you're still single someday if god gives you that gift you'll meet the person that you'll marry And you'll tell them your life story. So I encourage you, determine now what story you want to tell then. It can begin today. Because the story you're living today will become the story with which you enter marriage. Just how it works. And then it will continue to be written in your marriage. And if it's not a good story, by God's grace, it can be overwritten if you're a follower of Jesus. But why not do ourselves a favor and start with a a pleasant story, a blessed story, a God honoring story? And I know of no better story, no better marriage story, life story uh, about entering into a a relationship than the one we find in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 13. You may be familiar with that chapter. It's called the Love Chapter. And, And the words are powerful, they go like this Listen to this story Love is patient. So take each of those descriptions, those descriptions of love, and let God write them on your heart now. A good way to begin is to put your name in that slot where love is. And So you read that love is patient. And so you might say, Gary is patient and kind. Your name goes in there and you say, God, make me that kind of person. Write, begin to write those qualities on my life, on my story, so that I can bring that story into my marriage. Well, there you have it, three truths that should guide the lifestyle of, uh, of every single who follows Jesus. If you want God's best for your life and for your marriage, if God give, gives you that gift someday, that's the way to start That's what you sow now so that you can reap later what you long for and hope for in life. I hope that you'll have that kind of life that honors God now and that you bring that into your marriage. It will help you have a marriage that honors God, that displays his goodness, his relationship to his church and what Jesus has. If you're on track with those three truths, I applaud you. Keep it up. It's worth it. I know it goes against the the current of our culture. I know there are people that you have friends that say, I don't get you. Why do you live that way? Why don't you go with the flow that our culture does? But you know something they don't know. You know that what you sow, you'll reap. And you want to reap God's blessing in your marriage. Keep it up. It's worth it. More importantly than I celebrate you, God celebrates you. Don't compromise those biblical standards that you find in the Word. Biblical standards of honesty, integrity, purity. Just to hold on to a relationship, well, I'll compromise those things. It's not worth it. If that's the requirement in a, of a relationship that you're in, then I tell you kindly, the relationship isn't worth it. Nor is it God's will for you at this point in your walk with God. And I'll, I'll tell you, can I give you a, a test? <laughs> One of the best tests of whether a relationship that you're in is God's will for you? It's not the only test, but it's a pretty good test. If you're dating, tell your boyfriend or your girlfriend that because you're a follower of Jesus, you just decided, you choose, you will not have sexual relationships outside of marriage. That God says that should be reserved in marriage and I know that goes against everything that our culture tells us but if you believe God's word and that's how life works best that's how marriage works best that's how you work best then follow that and if you tell your boyfriend or girlfriend about that you can tell them it's not because you're some kind of prude or religious legalist no you're not trying to tell them that to pressure them into marrying you but because you're committed to following God's will and his way for your life And with that, and that's why you reserve sexual intimacy for marriage, where God created it to be. I'll tell you, with that pronouncement, you will quickly discover why that person is in a relationship with you. They're in it either for what they can get out of it, for themselves, or for what they can bring to that, for you. So, what do you do if you recognize, quite honestly, that you're a little behind? In practicing those three truths in your life as a single. Do you despair? Do you give up? Do you say it must be for somebody else? It's too late for me. I've blown it too long. I'll just continue down this path and see what happens. I hope not. I hope you recognize the goodness and the graciousness of God that you can restart today. You can say, God, I want to, oh, I just want to put the brakes on. I want to change my direction. I want to sow something different today so I can reap something different tomorrow. Because God can heal the broken road that you're on. And maybe you're not a follower of Jesus and you say, I never heard such things. I never knew that there was some way I could build um, my resume, my portfolio to to have a good marriage someday. You can do that by becoming a follower of Jesus and doing life His way. That's how life works best when we live it His way. And so I want to encourage you, if that hasn't been your pattern, you're a little behind times with that, and you say, as a follower of Jesus, I, I do want to get back on track. Here's three steps you could take. The first is just to come clean before God. Just acknowledge that. He knows it anyway, but be honest with Him and say, God, I haven't been living there. I've been compromising the best that you have for me. Confess that. You've gotten off the track. Seek his forgiveness. Uh, Accept his forgiveness. Commit to a fresh start. God, I want to reject that. I want to turn and do life your way in my relationships. And maybe today you're not a follower of Jesus. And you say, well, I need to come clean with God because I need to invite him into my life. I need to acknowledge that I have a need of a savior. I've been trying to do life my way and it's, it's not working that well. But I didn't know how else to to live this life. That's you can receive Christ. He died on the cross for you. To pay a penalty that you owed, but you couldn't pay. A penalty of your own sin. And he said I'll give that gift to you. It's yours. If you'll simply believe it. And receive it. And if you do that. Through simple prayer of faith. Of saying Jesus come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Take control of my life from this day forward and give me the gift of eternal life. You too can have God's best for your life now and for all eternity. We'd love to help you discover that in your journey spiritually of how you can enter into and receive that relationship with Christ. So the first step is to come clean before God. If you're a follower of Jesus, you say, God, I need to deal with some things. And then second step is to write a letter to God. And I mean by that, just put down on paper. Express your desire for a fresh start today. Sometimes it helps to be able to read it and write it and say, God, I'm serious about this. I want to change the direction of my life and my walk with you. I want to prepare for what you have for me in the future. You write that letter to God. You put it in writing as a way of solidifying it in your own mind and your own heart. And then, Get into a group of people that can share with you that journey, can encourage you, pray for you, walk with you, forgive you when you fall, and pick you up and get you back on track. Maybe it's a community group or a prayer group or a discipleship group or a, a mentoring one-on-one relationship. Get back on track spiritually. Don't go it alone. Don't think, well, I can I can handle this because you'll quickly get off track, you'll quickly fall, and there'll be no one to pick you up and Pull you out of those old patterns back on the new way or seek out someone if you're not a follower of jesus that you can talk to and say how do i get my life turned around and head in the right direction to follow jesus you see the seeds of obedience and righteousness that you begin sowing today they will grow into the most fulfilling and adventurous blessed life you could have ever imagined even beyond what you can imagine, both as a single and if God gifts you that as a married person. Become the fruit of a future relationship that God may bring you to. But even if he get, continues to give you just to get the gift of, of uh, singleness, you'll have the most fulfilling, abundant life you could have ever imagined. Not a flawless life, not a perfect life, but a life filled with his power and his blessing. That's my prayer for you, for all of us, as we enter into this life as walk with God, whether we're single or we're married. Let's pray. God, thank you for these truths about how to live. So practical. How to live our lives in a a way that prepares us for the future, prepares us for new relationships that might come our way. And God, we recognize today that many of those uh, principles go against the spirit of this age, the direction that our friends live. But Lord, we know that they're the the best. They're right. They're true. They're for people in every age and all times because they're from you. And so God, I pray today, I thank you for the number of singles that you have here at Calvary. I pray your blessing on them particularly God, that your light would shine in their lives and through their lives, that they might be the kind of influence in our church that will have a lasting impact, and effect, on all of us here. And God, I pray your blessing and your power in their lives to live these truths out for your glory and for uh, the goodness that you have for them and for your grace in their lives in a future relationship, if you so desire. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.